0: And the Oscar goes to, and the Oscar goes and the to, and goes to,
1: Jet. there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it! Remember that's what you told me! It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight! Best Picture! Hello everyone and welcome to episode 69 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me this week, we have Dianne Chiesese.
2: Hi guys, so nice to be back.
1: Ryan C. Showers. Hello. And William Mavity.
0: It's time!
1: <laughs> you, know, you really have something against Spotlight, don't you? Jesus.
0: <laughs> I just like to make fun of that.
1: Continue. Uh, in any event, I mean, it is time. Guys, it is time for us to talk about a lot of really, really great things that happened this week. Golden Globe nominations, SAG nominations came out. Uh, there were some short lists uh, which were revealed as well. And we have some trailers to talk about, fan questions, polls, you name it. Uh, I want to first just start off by saying, though, uh, without giving away spoilers, what is everybody's take right now on uh, this divide that is happening uh, with The Last Jedi right now? I mean, you guys see this audience score of Rotten Tomatoes? Like, like this is... I- I've never seen anything quite like that before, where... A big blockbuster film has that high of a uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Tomato Meter rating, and the audience score is just garbage.
3: Well, as someone who hasn't seen the film, I'll go first. and I just I think it's fascinating, um, and I kind of love it.
1: Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people say that those that love the film, it makes them love it even more that it's so uh, divisive. But as someone who's seen the film, I will say this. Last Jedi is not a bad movie. It's not like prequels level bad. I agree that there are some storytelling decisions that some pay off and some don't. Some are a little confusing and others uh, we have to wait on to see how the third film kind of concludes things. And I think that's where um, the frustration is coming from with some people. But to that, I will say this. There's a lot of people that complained that Force Awakens was a ripoff of A New Hope. And when this film is not a ripoff of Empire, everybody just loses their minds. So, which is it?
0: It didn't, no, but people are being so, you know, reductive and just saying, oh, well, you were mad because last time they were, they played it safe, but now they're being daring. But they're not being daring. It's just not very well written. That's the thing. Like, I was terrified this is going to be a beat for beat remake of Empire, and it kind of still does follow in Empire's shoes, but... There are a thousand options they could have taken with the story that were not a remake of Empire, but also would do more to advance the plot than giving us 50% of a film that is filler. Like, it's just not well-written or well-structured.
1: It is very unusual that the film does take place over a couple of hours in, in the span of, like, the story. You know what I mean? Right. Um it is that is a little and like there are a lot of things that Ryan Johnson did with this and I, I give him props because literally biggest movie franchise ever and he decided to do something way different and only time will be able to tell if it ultimately worked or not um, it reminded me of this
0: season of Game of Thrones oh there you go that like I think that's the best comparison and episode after episode people are like wait to see how it pays off in the finale And, hey,
1: I still think Game of Thrones pulled it off in the finale, though. You got to remember that. (laughs) I don't
0: think it retroactively made, like, some of those mid-season episodes good, though. So, you know, we'll we'll say that.
2: Okay, so for me, like, Deathly Hallows Part 1 is what I keep going back to, which when I saw it in the theater, I hated. But then as part of the whole series now, it's actually one of my favorite like, when I re-watch Harry Potter, it's one of my favorite parts. So, this movie has the potential to be that, but holy shit, see it for Adam Driver. I mean, I love that guy. He, he just nails that role. It's, that part, like, just steals the show.
1: Hey, did you guys hear that, like, Kylo Ren is, like, totally shredded? Like, he, I hear dude, he has knee packs. he
2: swole. He has abs. <laughs> How did that happen?
1: Uh, He, he saw that Ray was dialing him, and he decided to take off the shirt.
2: Oh, my God. I know. I was like, hello. FaceTime girl? No, I heard a couple people get Adam Driver.
0: The I heard, like, <gasps> around me when that happened. I was like, holy shit.
1: All right, all right, all right. We've already revealed too much. We've already talked okay, about too much.
2: Sorry, Ryan. Adam but Driver
0: revealed too much.
2: See it for Adam Driver, Ryan. See it for Adam Driver. See all it right. for Adam
1: Driver. He he does give uh, oh, what is, in my God, opinion, I, I still it. think the best performance in any of the Star Wars movies, yeah. period. Um Moving away from Star Wars because obviously there's a lot in the award season world to talk about here. Wait,
0: first, can we can we uh, can we ask though for our listeners what do we think Star Wars will contend in this season?
1: Oh, I have it getting one sound. I have it in sound mixing, and I have it in visual effects. I
3: don't think it's going to be The Force Awakens where it got five nominations and it was a big no. bigger contender. No. I just no, not. no, maybe two. I think it's strictly like sound, special effects. Yeah. Nothing else.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I, no, I, I nothing am rooting, else. honestly, for a production design nomination because there's one set that's very red, and you all know what I'm talking about. That's oh, one of the best yeah. sets.
1: Yeah. It.
2: It's my favorite set. Yeah.
1: Had. <laughs> yeah. Got some uh, cry, cries and whispers uh, lo- uh, vibes from that. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I'm pushing cool. for a production design nomination. Hmm. Yeah.
1: But here's here's the other thing, though, I will say about uh, Last Jedi and the Oscars, too. And uh, this is gonna sound so bad when I say this. I really do think John Williams is phoning it in. Oh yeah, I agree.
2: Oh yeah, it was. It yeah, you're right.
1: I did not think that score was memorable. I did not nope. hear any distinguishable themes at all. That no. Nope. Nothing. That even even the prequels had better music than what I've been hearing from Force Awakens and Last Jedi. The prequels had pretty good music. You had like Duel of the Fates and
2: stuff and those. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. Even the Anakin
1: Padme theme is really good. Yeah, the dude, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So to be clear then, you guys don't think it will
3: contend for a score.
1: Absolutely I don't. not.
0: Particularly when you have the no. post
1: that he did, which will be I've seen the post. I wanted to say I've seen the post. <laughs> and I do have John Williams getting in for the post. it. There you go. So, uh, I, I you know you know who uh, didn't see the post? Sag. <laughs> <laughs> good transition. Yeah, I Very guess I guess because of that transition I guess we'll go out of order and go Let's Sag it, yeah. first. Um best ensemble at Sag. Uh the Big Sick, Get Out, Lady Bird, Mudbound, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. No shape of water, no post, no Dunkirk.
0: <laughs> so, I think the there's been a lot of debate as to exactly why the post missed. And it is interesting because there you know there are plenty of people who say, no, we got our screeners by Thanksgiving. And so to that people say, oh well, yes, but voting had already started then. I mean maybe, but it is worth stating that American Hustle and the Revenant were both in similar situations. And while they did miss some of the nominations that they ultimately got with SAG, there was at least one performance in those films that SAG was so passionate about that they still there was still enough support to get it in. It was Jennifer Lawrence and Hustle and DiCaprio and The Revenant. And obviously those films picked up steam later in the season. But I was surprised because, I mean, The Post screamed like five times for SAG members too. I mean... And clearly, it was seen, even if it wasn't anywhere nearly as widely seen as some of the other films. They couldn't even get Merrill a nomination.
3: But I think because it didn't get Merrill nomination, I think there was something fishy going on. Yeah. I, I, I'm just not buying – I don't buy it,
1: what you're saying about well, the passion so now, for Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, all right, so Mr. Showers. Yes. Is this the year that the SAG Ensemble rule breaks?
3: I was totally prepared for this question, uh, especially since after last week. Um, I said, no, the side no, uh, will never break, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. And
1: <laughs> remember last week when I asked you guys, if I Lady know. Bird misses, will you predict the post? And then I was like, if the post misses, will you predict Lady Bird? Well, guess what? <laughs> Here we are.
3: <laughs> I don't think I said yes to the, to the latter, but, um, I, I don't know. I think I, I'm more convinced that it could, and I, I've been looking at SAG a lot over the past couple of days, and especially like since it merged with AFRA, and like from 2012 on, and how um, the acting nominees haven't been as like lined up with the Oscar nominees, um, and in some years it was really bad. Like 2013 was was I think it went 13 for 20, 2015 I think it went 14 for 20.
1: So I I don't know, I just I don't know. Well, it's very easy to look at the people that they did include and say, oh, well that makes sense, and I think that, that I think we should start predicting that person for the Oscars now. And then there are some like Steve Carell and Best Supporting Actor for Battle of the Sexes, where it's like,
2: hmm. yeah. no,
1: where <laughs> does that come what, from? What world does Carell get in, but Emma Stone does not? You know, it just doesn't make. It doesn't make sense to me.
3: It's, it, they're nonsensical, and I really think um, we have to. I don't know. I think SAG is becoming less important.
1: Well, I, I think win-wise, uh, it's very important though. Maybe not nominations in terms of trying to predict uh, who the Oscar nominees will be, if that makes sense. Maybe I mean, but whoever wins at SAG, you got to take that win very seriously.
3: But I see a world where you know. I mean, I'm not. You know. Last week, on I went on record and I said, you know, SAG is so important. Blah blah blah. I'm not gonna, you know, counter what I said last week entirely, but I do see a world where the post does really well. Maybe Meryl wins the BAFTA and then she wins the Oscar without winning SAG. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's it's not as secure as if she would have gotten a SAG nomination, but I can see it.
1: Can I ask you this question, too? How much of this is wishful thinking on your part? Maybe there's a little bit of wishful thinking, yes. But
3: it just – it it's not making sense to me, like, okay. logically. And I'm trying – I'm looking at it objectively, too.
1: And I've talked about this before. And now that I've seen the post, I kind of agree that I don't think Spielberg's winning director. I don't think Tom Hanks is winning actor. I don't think it can win anything except possibly maybe editing because it is paced very, very well. Meryl, I I see could win, and I could see a winning picture. But my my, my line of thinking with this is now that it has missed SAG, screeners or not, uh, my confidence has been somewhat now rocked by it. And I do feel that the films that did get the SAG Ensemble nomination – really really did benefit it also uh proved another idea that i had uh that was building up for a while which is shape of water is a going to lead in nominations and b as a result of that i believe now that it is this year's revenant la la land it wins director maybe the acting prize for sally hawkins debatable and a bunch of text, but it does not win picture. Why? Because it missed Stagg Ensemble. Why did it miss this nomination? That's what I want to know. It got Jenkins and Hawkins.
2: Just in, not enough people saw it? Is that, I mean, I guess
0: that's all... Screeners have been out for ages. It's been on the festival circuit for ages. It's in theaters. That's not why. But
3: it was a real ensemble. I mean, it just didn't have like, the support. Which is... It's what? not like La La Land where it was two actors. Like, this was, yeah. you know, A-list. You know, you could count the Oscar nominations among the actors. Come on.
1: I don't know. It's tough because an argument could be made for why the Big Six ensemble is great. Get Out's ensemble is great. Mudbound's ensemble is also great. I just think there was a lot of competition and something was bound to miss. You know what I mean? So – Let's talk about also too the effect that that's that this also has also on three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, because a common theme with SAG and Golden Globes is that three billboards overperformed at both. It it overperformed the critics choice as well. And for as much as people were writing it off, once the public uh, started to see the film and uh, the reactions were a little bit more divisive, uh, it's clear that the film is, you know, still landing where it needs to land, even more so. So a part of me is wondering, does this translate to Francis McDormand winning SAG, potentially? Yes. You know? Yeah. Or we get, like, a really, really crazy out there uh, win for Woody Harrelson that's like, a, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what? But because yeah. of, like, the guy's body of work this year and people just love Woody, they want to give him a win. You know what I mean? So... I think a win is coming for three billboards at SAG somewhere. I mean, they clearly loved it. Um, I do think... I, I'm i telling you. I mean, I
0: saw it in conversations with Chris Tapley and a couple other guys on Twitter today where they're talking about what film was going to be the, the 7 2017's villain, and they're like, it's shaping up to be three billboards. You know, like, I think yeah. just as American Hustle perform, overperformed in the early part of the season but it had already started getting some of that backlash fermenting, that backlash really picked up steam as a result of that overperformance. And ultimately, though it did well with nominations, it won nothing on Oscar night. I, I still think that could happen with three billboards. And I think it could... Uh, mm-hmm. I guess if we want to take that comparison further, American Hustle did win SAG Ensemble. So, you know, maybe yep. there's something we said for that. But... Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to translate to Oscar success. I... Th- I, I I don't believe in three billboards. I still don't.
3: Yeah. Well, I was so surprised that three billboards did so well at the Globes. Yeah. Um. Not. I don't know if you want to transition to this now, but I think.
1: No, but, uh, but, not but, ready
3: yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I just think it's odd that the you know two of the three biggest contenders at the Globes did not get in at SAG. For an ensemble, mm. meaning you know, The Shape of Water and The Post, you know, were the two two of the three top earning films of the Globes, and the next day they get shut out by SAG. Like, right. <sighs>
1: well, let's look at uh, lead actor uh, male here. Uh, th- this is pretty simple for me because you got Chalamet, Franco, Oldman, Kaluuya, and Washington. For me, now that Kaluuya has landed a Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, and SAG. I think it's very, very easy to leave him in, replace Washington with Daniel Day-Lewis, and I think that might be the Oscar five.
0: So uh, I also, uh, you know, Matt has already done this for me, but I would like everyone, if you're listening, Jason Osiason, for example, um, who has (laughs) called me an idiot for predicting Kaluuya for months to give me an apology. (laughs) I called this happening. So I, I agree. Kaluya Kaluya is in.
1: You know, if he if he missed Sagwell, I'd still be arguing with you about this. <laughs> but because he made it here, I, I am officially conceding. Good.
0: And if you if you talk about just like consensus, he's got more nominations from the critics circuit than
1: someone like Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, that's impressive. He's also got uh, two wins uh, right now as well. Uh, so that and Daniel Day Lewis also has two wins. So clearly, there's a lot of love for him. And there's a lot of love for Get Out, which also landed the uh, ensemble nomination. The only thing I'm starting to see now is I'm starting to see a lot of people uh, talking about how because Get Out landed an ensemble, everybody is – well, not everybody, but some people are starting to predict Get Out for a Best Picture win.
0: I don't think they're ready. They're that ready to overcome their genre bias yet.
3: Me either. Me either.
1: I think people need to calm down. I, I still see a world where Peele misses director uh, – you know, at the Oscars. So I I don't know. It's it's becoming it's becoming tougher, uh, even though the guilds are trying to make it more clear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um uh, lead actor female, uh the predicted four of Sally Hawkins, Francis, Margot, Robbie, Sersha, and Judy Dench is in there for Victorian Abdul. Obviously, Common Wisdom says take Judy Dench out, put Meryl Streep in, that's the Oscar five. Am I right?
2: Yeah.
3: That feels good to me. Yeah. I can see a world, though, where Denge gets in.
1: Who do you have her knocking out? Either Hawkins or
3: Robbie. I don't know. Mm, but, that, I mean, I don't think it's impossible.
1: Oh, you know. Did, you, did you, you guys know that um, Sally Hawkins is leading right now in Critics' Wins, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, she won Los Angeles, Boston, Phoenix, San Diego.
0: So, um, they do have a precedent of... Sally Hawkins being the critic's exactly. winner and then snubbing her. Because remember in 2008, yeah. she was basically the front runner going into, this, into the Oscar nomination morning and everyone thought Winslet would win in supporting for the reader. Yep. And then she yeah. missed in lead out of nowhere. is was one of the biggest upsets I've seen since I've been following. And Winslet got it. So there is a weird precedent for Hawk, mm. this happening to Hawkins.
1: I mean, I think the blue jasmine makeup nod, and now her leading. I mean, you got to remember, some Shape of Water is going to be the nomination leader, right? Um, it's going to be the big film that you know many people are going to think that you know the little film, whatever that little film that could has to take down. I find it very hard to believe that it gets nominations almost seemingly everywhere and yet misses Hawkins. I mean... Kind of like a rival. (laughs) Do you guys realize that there is a a world that if Shape of Water lands everywhere it needs to land, Shape of Water will become the all-time nomination leader with 15 nominations? Yeah, it'd be fucking crazy. It'd be pretty
2: cool, honestly. And Hawkins has that Mahdi performance this year, too, and anyone who saw that, too, I think it will translate to them supporting her in this other position as well. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, kind of like Amy Adams last year with Nocturnal Nocturnal
2: Animals. Oh, that's a good point, Ryan. You <laughs> just made me sad. Let's let,
1: let's be clear. Nocturnal Animals was not everybody's cup of tea. I
2: know, <laughs> but Arrival was. Literally.
1: All right. Uh, supporting Supporting Actor, Male. This category. I mean, I I, I calculated um, our contest uh, predictions for this, and this is like the one category where everybody failed. Um, Steve Carell, Battle of the Sexes, Willem Defoe to Florida Project, Woody Harrelson, Three Billboards, Richard Jenkins, The Shape of Water, Sam Rockwell, Three Billboards. I think Rockwell, Jenkins, and Defoe are safe. Um, I now have moved Woody Harrelson into my five along with Army Hammer, and that is my Oscar five now. That
0: feels right.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I think, honestly, this...
0: Yeah, Defoe. This was clearly just a way of saying you had a great year. Also, it's been a while since we nominated you, and you keep putting out great work. Like, I, I, am surprised, but it makes sense. And there is cl- apparently the Actors Branch loves three billboards. So,
3: is there a is there a way that Michael Shannon um, could show up like he has for Revolutionary Road and, um, the sh- and nocturnal Animals for Shape of Water?
1: I'll tell you the only difference I see with. Uh, those two comparisons here with Shannon is that like Nocturnal Animals last year, he at least got Critics' Choice. He he hasn't shown up in Globes, Critics' Choice, or uh, SAG for Shape of Water. Now, BAFTA is still left. If he shows up in BAFTA, I'll say, okay – there is a world now, but I, he needs to show up at least somewhere for me to still consider it. Otherwise, it's Jenkins.
0: Yeah, but he didn't show up anywhere for uh, Revolutionary Road, did he? I mean, he just came out of nowhere.
3: I think so,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, but that was that was a very weak uh, field that year, like super weak. You know, so... Best Supporting Actor, Female, Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, Hung Chow for Downsizing, Holly Hunter to Big Sick, Allison Janney, Itanya, Lori Laurie Metcalf, Lady Bird. I think this is the five for five that matches with Oscar.
0: I'm still not sold on Chow. She feels like a Daniel Bruhl type nom for me, where she got everything she needed to, but she was in a film people just didn't really care about at all. Which, by the way, in the case of Rush, I'm still pissed about, because that's a really underrated film. But Nobody really likes downsizing. They either actively dislike it, or they're kind of like, "eh, it's there."
3: Right. So I, I think yeah.
0: that is ripe for a surprise.
3: And I'm not like I know Mary J. Blige has hit everywhere she needs to hit, and she's like, you know, sort, you know, on the path to, you know, but I'm I, I I don't have a good feeling about her. I think she'll miss out on the nomination more. I
2: agree. I think you're going to see like a Leo. Right. I
3: don't have any me, evidence for this. it.
0: Mary J. Blige. Is the Mudbound campaign. I cannot go more than a mile in Los Angeles without seeing a poster that has her face put across it. She is the campaign for Mudbound. That is what they're putting all their weight behind. So I think this is a case. The campaign is just so undeniable that... I don't see that happening. They are putting everything in their power to make that nomination happen. That
2: is so funny. She wasn't even nearly my favorite part of that movie.
1: Uh, me yeah. neither, which is very unusual. But hey, yeah. sometimes a good campaign can work wonders. Right. Uh, Ryan, I'm really curious. Who who would you replace maybe with Blige at uh, Oscar?
3: I you know what? I have no idea. This it's best supporting actress is kind of crazy. You know you have Octavia
1: Spencer. You have you know um, Haddish could still happen. Leo. Yeah. Uh, well, Leo, I think is done. Um, I've conceded that that's over. Okay.
3: What about the actress from the Florida Project? Yeah, Bria. Yeah, Bria.
1: I think. I, I think. I her. don't know how hard they're going to go for that. Uh, to be honest with you, Florida Project. I don't know. What about Leslie Manville? Or, oh, or sure. her? Yeah. Leslie could happen. Yeah. That could happen. She. She was supposed to get in uh, a couple years ago for um, another. year. What was it called? Another year. Yeah.
3: I don't know, maybe I should like, just you know, give in to Mary J. Blige. I mean, I, and I know that she's everywhere and that like, her campaign is insurmountable. It's just something just doesn't feel right there.
2: Yeah, I give in to Blige more than Hung Chow. I just don't see Hung Chow getting an Oscar nomination, but I haven't seen the film, so. But
0: because on top of people not liking that film, that performance still has a lot of controversy. I mean, a lot of, I mean, like I saw her compared to, I think they said, an Asian bagger Vance is how they compared Ooh. the performance to, which is not a great wow. comparison. Yeah. So I think among other factors, that could keep her out. I am not expecting that to get in. I fully expect a surprise there.
1: So are we going to uh, just keep nominating Octavia Spencer for playing Octavia Spencer?
2: <laughs> Why the hell not? <laughs> it, it could happen. I, it, nobody gets mad about it. Nah. It's not divisive.
1: <laughs> I suppose not. And it is also the film that, like I said... Gonna be the nomination leader. Might as well put another uh, tally in there. That would be wild if, like, Shannon and Spencer both
0: surprise and it gets, like, 15
1: nominations. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: So, uh, moving over to the Globes now. Uh, Before we just go through, like, a category by category here, um, I want to just talk about the big, big news. There were two big stories, uh, three, three big stories coming out of the Golden Globes. One, the big sick was totally shut out. Still pissed. Oh, Two, all the money in the world, they the HFPA wants you to know that they saw it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and three,
2: we're so cool. Look at us. Jordan
1: Peele and Greta Gerwig both do not make the best director lineup. I know. So that's,
2: that's the big stuff. Yeah.
1: Let's get everybody's thoughts here. With first, first things first, the big sick completely missing. Um, I was shocked, completely shocked. I wasn't.
3: You were not shocked, Ryan. I was not. I actually didn't have it in my picture lineup until the very last day whenever, Matt, whenever I sent my predictions to Matt because I was, th- I was thinking, no, I'm not going to be the only person that doesn't have it in their predictions and that gets in, but I just, you know, I don't know. So I wasn't com- entirely shocked.
1: They nominated Ansel Elgort over Kumail Nanjiani. I- I- Which is crazy, but... Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I'm sorry. It's crazy. I don't, get it. I don't get it.
0: Also, Baby Driver is not really a comedy. I mean, that's, that's a different...
3: Well, I think it's the musical like the music that, you know yeah, how it plays in the film why they put it in a this category
2: movie I just th- I thought that nomination was weird
1: well I'll tell you this much I'm about to see the greatest showman in like a few <laughs> days and I swear to God if this movie absolutely sucks it's gonna make me even more upset <laughs> so best director uh Ridley Scott showed up for all the money in the world. Yeah. Guys, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. I got to just put this out there really quick. If Ridley Scott also shows up in DGA, are we going to predict him?
3: I don't know.
0: Anyone who shows up in the DGA, you're inclined to predict. Yeah, I mean, if this film, we'll know in a few days if this film is a hit or if the HFPA was just jerking themselves off because they saw it. <laughs> like,
2: I know, I was- <sighs>
0: I think we just need to wait like three days and either this is one of those random, you know, HFPA nominations or this is the real deal and it gets a 98 in Rotten Tomatoes. Like, we'll know very, very
2: soon. Yeah. I just keep thinking Michelle Williams must just kill this. That's like my one thing where I'm like, this is all about Michelle Williams. She must be so good that all of this is about her. But I don't know.
3: I don't think so. I think she's she was just... I think... Uh, in terms of how they were nominated i think plummer was pro- probably got the most votes and then of you know of his of the movie and then just because of the hype. Yes, and then Ridley Scott because of how he orchestrated everything and Michelle Williams yeah. she was the filler and best actress because you know there wasn't really a person to, a clear person like for that, that nomination. Like that story,
2: Ryan. I like the other story.
1: Sorry.
0: <laughs> what are you nominating all the money in the world for an Oscar morning? Nothing.
1: Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Martin McDonough shows up a critics choice and director and also Golden Globes and director. Um I took him out. I'm wondering if I need to put him back in at this point.
3: I kind of think you do. I put him back in mind. If he gets in over Peel and Gerwig, I'm going to be so pissed.
2: Ugh, that's that's cool. what ma- it, it does make me crazy. And that's I what's going to happen. Too,
3: but- like, I think it's going to be Baker and McDonough, Spielberg, Del Toro, and Nolan. It's going to be white bro, you know, a white bro group. Mm.
1: I actually still have Greta over Peel. Um, and I'm starting to wonder if Steven Spielberg misses.
2: Yeah, I still have Gerwig in. I'm, belie- I'm keeping it.
1: Well, the internet is going to shit a brick if that happens, by the
0: way. And Matt, you want to talk about backlash um, for three billboards? If Martin McDonough is viewed as the person that kept this as an all-white male directing lineup in this year, I guarantee you if the backlash
1: wasn't there, it will be there after that. I just got to ask this question, though. Why is it, like, solely his fault? Is it just because, like, he's the most fringe of the contenders? Like, why yes. Why couldn't we... But why couldn't we put that at the feet of... Christopher Nolan? Because it's a really... No, no no no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, Nolan and Del Toro, the only two people I am very confident are actually safe. And people will say, uh, well, Nolan has missed before. Yeah, I know, but this is his time. I think that, you know, if anything, like... Sean Baker is, like, the one person I think is maybe the outlier here where his film may not even get into picture. We don't really know still. You know what I mean?
0: I think the argument would be that Baker did a more socially conscious film, um, but also that the directorial achievement there was more impressive in that he was working with an under-million-dollar budget, and I guess it's more dynamic and auteur-driven than McDonough's
1: work. So once again, it just comes back to – I I don't know what it comes back to. I, I I get it. I get that McDonough's direction is nothing to write home about. But I could also make the same argument for Greta Gerwig in Lady Bird. But the oh. reason why I have her getting in now over, uh, you know, say, Peel, for example, is because I think Lady Bird is the film that everybody loves. So if Three Billboards has – to our best predictions, if we if we're predicting it to underperform and it keeps overperforming, can't we also say the same for him? Where it's just like, hey, you know what? The direction was not flashy; it wasn't anything to necessarily write home about. But this is just a film that they love. Mm. Go back and rewatch Lady Bird for the framing she had. I mean, it's it's got. I've l- seen it. I've seen it twice. I I've seen it twice <laughs> and. I, I think that it's like, it's like Spotlight direction. It no, moves very it's well. it's got more of a
0: stamp than, than uh, McCarthy's direction did. And it's got more of a stamp than um, McDonough's
3: direction does have. And I think quality aside, though, I think we really have to look at the politics of this, of this category and of who's voting in for best director. And I think everybody needs to prepare themselves to, as Will said, shit a brick on nomination morning or prepare for the numerous think pieces about how it was, you know, the, the director's branch nominated five white, straight white guys.
2: Ugh. God, Ryan, what is your deal today? You're because it's going to
3: happen. I I feel it in my bones. I can even see a world where lady bird wins best picture without a director nomination.
1: But here's the other thing now. And I got to ask this question. Like we know it's not going to be perfect. First it was Oscar. So white, now we've all concluded that we're not going to get an Oscar so white. So now we're going to move over to director as our next thing that we're going to complain about. Well, I mean that's just—it's
3: uh, not something that's going to—I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of complaints. You
0: can't stop what's coming.
1: I just—I just—I I just want to ask the questions of like—I don't know. I get—I get more. We want to include more people. But once again, it always comes down to I hope that people are not filling out their ballots and saying, oh, this is the slot where I vote for the person of color. This is the slot where I vote for the female. This is the slot where I vote for the uh, near the end of his career, uh, you know, director. This yeah. is Like, I don't want it to be about checking off boxes. I want people to vote for what they actually think is the best.
3: Well, and can we just, uh, I, I, Matt, I, I just understand your um, point of view. I think it's valid. Um, but I'm not even convinced that Oscar so white won't happen. I mean, there's not a, whoa, no one's locked. I mean, you know, Kaluuya, Spencer, um, Blige, I don't think any of them are surefire locked in. It's gonna happen in the top two. I don't think it's. I I, I can see a world where it's uh, Oscar so white, you know, and straight white straight white guy director lineup.
1: You know what and I no love about you, Ryan? <laughs> you don't set yourself up for disappointment. <laughs> I got. I got to no. give you. I got to give you credit for that.
3: And so, no. To circle back around, no. Wishful thinking isn't as intrinsic to me as it may be to Michael.
1: Fair. <laughs> okay. Fair.
2: He's not here to defend himself.
1: Yeah, he is, and I feel bad. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, best actress, comedy musical, Helen Mirren, The Leisure Seeker. Uh, the only person who has seen this movie is Tommy Barquinero, and he's not allowed to actually say anything about the uh, movie. So. I mean, I have his review. I can't say anything about it either. Uh, but that was that was definitely a surprise. Plummer was a surprise, as we talked about before. Uh, other surprises that showed up here. Uh, you know, Ansel Elgort, we already talked about. God damn screenplay. Oh, yeah. man, that was a bloodbath, right? Combining all those originals with the frontrunners and adapted. Um one thing is very clear. I will never, ever, ever bet against Aaron Sorkin in Golden Globe screenplay. Nope. They love God, him. They yep. love him. I, yes. called, I called that and I was very, very happy that I did. But, um, you know, once again, you know, when you see, I mean, the fact that Lady Bird got into screenplay makes me very, very happy because that does show yeah. that there was support for the film here. Um, And I'm starting to think now uh, that Lady Bird is definitely our comedy musical winner. I Absolutely.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah.
3: 110%.
1: So uh, I, I, there was a time where I thought it could be Get Out, but since Get Out missed here and a missing director, I think they just like Lady Bird a little bit more. Uh, what else do we got here? Best original score, no real surprises. Best original song. Guys, I called that Mighty River shit from Mudbound. You did. Oh. Now watch. If, I'm telling you right now, Here's here's what scares me. If it wins that category... <laughs> You're, you're, I'm telling you, it goes back to my theory again that it, a Blige snub is very, very possible and then the song becomes the way to reward both Blige and the movie then all of a sudden. Yep. And to my point about Blige, like... It's scary. Yeah. It is a little scary. Uh, nomination tally, Shape of Water led with seven. It isn't going to win all seven, so we're not going to have a repeat of last year. Everybody calm down. Post wins six, three Billboard. I'm sorry, Post nominated for six, three billboards nominated for six, Lady Bird four and then so on and so forth. Call Me By Your Name, not performing as well as we all hoped. No SAG uh, nominations outside of Chalamet, and didn't get director, didn't even get screenplay. Uh, what are we to make of this? I
0: don't really know, to be honest. I mean, it it's reportedly screening well among you know, voters. I, I don't know. I think maybe what happened at SAG was that what we ran into with Spotlight a couple of years ago where Stuhlberg and Hammer split votes. You know, and maybe that's how we ended up with Carell. But the ensemble is odd, other than, I guess, just it's a good ensemble, but they did prefer the ensembles of a couple of those other films, and I get it. And then as far as director at the Globes, I mean, Scott was probably a flute, but Guagadino, how how, how do I pronounce it? Is is it Guagadino however Guadagnino. I pronounce Guadagnino um, his direction is not flashy um, it's even more if we're making the spotlight comparison Tom McCarthy than even Martin McDonough direction I mean it's it may just have been It didn't strike them as a director's movie the only miss that really seems weird to me is screenplay at the globes and I, I can't give you a reason for that
1: Okay, Um, uh, has anyone taken Michael Stuhlbarg out of their uh, predictions yet, or no?
3: He wasn't even in mine before, so. I have him in.
1: Will? I think, honestly, yeah, I think he's out. I think
0: Hammer will get in. I think he's
1: out. All right, moving over now, uh, away from Golden Globes and from SAG, uh... Oh, well, actually, to just put a little bit of a cap on that, rather, um, I do want to just say congratulations um, to Tim Bruns, uh, who got 71 of the 95 uh, nomination predictions correct of 19 wow. categories. Yeah. So he won our contest for predicting the Golden Globe and SAG nominees. So congratulations to Tim. Uh, there was a whole list that I posted online. If anybody uh, cares to see how they did with that, um, I did it from 60 up. So very, very good job, Tim. Congratulations on that. How did the five of us do? You know what? I uh, I focused on the, uh, on the contest first. I haven't even looked at how we did.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, I will speak to the fact that <laughs> as soon as I sent my nominations to Matt and I realized that I missed the post on Ensemble, and I'm like, I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to change it. And I thought about it for like two days, and then all of a sudden the – it comes out, and I'm like, I am I am a mad genius. <laughs> it's official. So, anyway. Uh, no, that was an inadvertent miss. Um, but, but
1: good for you. I mean, win. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, some big news in foreign language. Um, the shortlist came out for the films that will be advancing over to be nominated for the Oscar. First They Kill My Father, Thelma, BPM, beats per minute. All did not make the short list. Has everyone changed their predictions as a result?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm stunned. Beats Per Minute missed, and first they killed my father is fairly surprising I'm as well. I'm stunned on that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I haven't assembled a whole new lineup of what I predict, but I certainly had those two getting in, and I thought Beats Per Minute could have won the whole thing. I think the Squares are a de facto winner
1: now. Hmm. I still think it could be Foxtrot.
0: Yeah. So actually, you know, this time last year, you know, the Ford and Shortlist came out and they had a couple surprising snubs like L, and then everyone was like, okay, Tony Erdman's our default winner. And then obviously Trump happened and the, the salesman ended up becoming the front runner there by the end. So I don't know how accessible the square
1: will be. You might be right, Foxcroft could definitely do it. Uh, a Fantastic Woman could also do it too. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I hope it does not do it. I hope in the fade doesn't. I, I do not like that movie. (laughs) I'm very, I'm like very like mortified that in the fade got in over beats per minute, but anyways. Yeah. So fantastic woman in the fade on body and soul, Foxtrot, the insult, loveless, Felice, Felicit, Feliciate. I don't know the wound and the square uh, those are the films which will go on to possibly be nominated for the Oscar for Best Foreign Language film. I have A Fantastic Woman. I have In the Fade, Foxtrot, Loveless, and The Square as my final nominees there for now. But hey, listen, who knows? You know. <laughs> I'm just I'm mostly going off of precursors there, so. That's tough to say. Uh, another thing, too, I want to just quickly point out thank you to Will, who did a very great job of scouring the internet to find uh, usable legal links to view of shorts in Best Animated Documentary and Live Action. Uh, There are short lists available for that. So we have uh, created a page now on nextbestpicture.com where you can uh, go there, see the list of films that are on the short list, and then whatever links are available, uh, you can click the Watch button, and it will redirect you to uh, Netflix or uh, Vimeo or wherever it's posted online uh, for you to check out. Um, Obviously, the shorts are very important And they definitely are uh, a signifier of the filmmakers of tomorrow. Let's remember someone like uh, Martin McDonough uh, came to prominence because of a short that he made, which ended up winning the Oscar for him. So, many others like that. uh, Definitely check out that page when you have a chance. Now, is everybody ready for a trailer? Yeah. Sure. It's trailer time. Okay. So, this trailer is from a guy known as Clint Eastwood. I mean, I think you guys have heard of them, right? Yeah, okay. I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> he sounds old and white. Yeah!
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll get a Best Director nomination, I don't know.
1: Maybe I'll, like, maybe I'll uh, present uh, this trailer like my best Clint Eastwood impression and. and... <sighs> I really love that trailer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I sound
1: like Christian Bale
0: in Batman now I mean that's how <laughs> I yeah. Where is he
1: <laughs> This is the uh, trailer for um, His true life story of That it honestly is quite remarkable And we'll talk about why After we watch it here This is the 1517 to Paris
2: Look at the baby soda, Spencer! Alex, shut the heck up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Then you really realize how you
2: have been given authority over your life. But you can only do that through the struggle of life. And most people avoid the struggle. Most people go through life avoiding pain.
0: When you're working on a dream, at some point in time, a transition takes place. You learn how to leap higher. Challenging yourself to dig deeper—something
2: in you that you never activate is lying dormant in there.
0: Don't try and take any shortcuts. Do what you know is right. We've been chosen for this great work.
3: I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just pushing us towards something,
1: like some greater purpose. Okay, so the big gimmick with this movie, or maybe not gimmick, maybe call it something else, but I think it's a gimmick, is that he cast the real-life heroes, the real-life people that stopped this uh, disaster that was going to happen on this train from occurring... And he's got them in the lead roles of the movie itself. Now, that kind of a decision and the way that this film is marketed to me screams, we are targeting middle America, the American sniper crowd. We are going to try and get as much money as humanly possible <laughs> and repeat that same level of success. Does that make am, – am, am, tell me if you guys think I'm wrong. No, you're right. No, I mean, it's clearly what they're going for. Complete gimmick.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we, And you can see the trailer is certainly trying its best to hide the fact that those guys are not real actors. I mean, <laughs> while simultaneously playing it up.
1: I mean, it freaks me out that Clint Eastwood's the kind of director that only usually shoots one take as is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And he's going to shoot one take with non-professional actors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> this could end really
3: badly. Let's be clear. Yep. And I hope that their performances are um, crash and burn.
1: I, I really hope it's good so that I don't get called unpatriotic for uh, hating on it if it's bad. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. You know, you hate this country, son. I don't want to get called out for being unpatriotic. You hate America?
3: It's like, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Like, damn for having an opinion, damn if you, you know, you're not American. Like Right.
0: <sighs> and also, let's be clear, the actors aren't the only non-professional things about this. The screenplay, you know, and I, I guess this is a cool Hollywood success story. The, sc- the screenwriter was a PA like a year ago. This is her first script. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She was a PA on, uh, on what's it, Ben oh, Affleck's movie, Live By Night. She'd never written a script before, as best I can tell.
3: Wow. Well, cheers to Clint. <laughs>
1: Cheers to that PA! I mean, that's that that is a great success story, and I'm sure that person is elated. You know? Yeah,
0: I mean, that's pretty cool.
1: Let's all be very kind now when the film comes out, and make sure not to uh, shatter this person's dreams of becoming a screenwriter. <laughs> I
0: mean, I wish I had done that. So that's pretty damn. Oh cool, god! I just hope it's good. Um,
1: I don't know. It could be. It could be good. It could be a tense thriller. No. Yeah. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into it. <laughs> I'm like – I'm sorry for being the cynical person of the podcast today, but I'm just like uh,
2: – I'm I got not it. taking like, I'm going to relinquish my title to <laughs> <of> Ryan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus.
1: Oh, man. You know, it's funny too. I, I got a podcast review, uh, which I'll read out loud later, and it actually says Matt is a little rough around the edges. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's
2: like – Jesus.
1: <laughs> Ryan's like the new uh, – Ryan's a new asshole of the group. <laughs>
2: <No>. <laughs> Ryan's okay. like, fuck it all.
1: <laughs> I, I'm
3: really in that kind of mood today.
0: <laughs> You're in a kind of mood. Calm down, puss cake.
3: Get off my lawn.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> call me by your name and I'll call you by mine.
2: <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yes! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> uh. For anyone who doesn't understand that, uh, listen to me and Will, um, our review of Call Me By Your Name, (laughs) and you'll understand what that's all about. (laughs) All right. Poll this week, or last week, rather, was which was your favorite or is your favorite Star Wars film? Listed all the Star Wars movies, including Rogue One. And yes, The Last Jedi was also on there as well. Uh, And these were, um, you know, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Force Awakens, Rogue One, last Jedi. No, no animated Clone Wars stuff. Leading with 47.19% of the vote <laughs> in, a, in a blowout. Yes. Anybody want to guess everyone's favorite Star Wars film?
2: Empire. It's Empire.
1: It is Empire. <laughs> yeah. And I mean that was like that was like a gimme. What I was more what I was more interested in was going to be what was uh number two. So if 19.1%, anybody want to take any guesses there? A New Hope? I hope the original.
2: New Hope, yeah. Or Force Awakens.
3: But It'll probably be Force Awakens.
2: Because the newness, right? The newness. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) It is the Force Awakens. It's the Force
2: Awakens. See, people are not surprising. Mine is New Hope. My personal would be New Hope. As it should be. I mean, it was the granddaddy. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it was thirteen point forty eight percent of the vote. The Clone uh, Wars, Star Wars: A New Hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the only film to receive absolutely zero votes was The Phantom Menace. Someone chose Attack of the Clones. Yep, there was one person
2: oh, who. God, voted I for like Attack Phantom, of Menace Phantom
0: Menace. Is than is at of least has
1: something. They have Darth Maul. Yeah, and a cool fight. Like
2: podcast racing. Yeah. Yeah. Or podcast.
1: Sorry. Uh, a lot of votes yeah. for Return of the Jedi. Actually, ten percent of the vote uh, went to uh, Return of the Jedi, and. Rogue One only received one vote as well, and The Last Jedi only received two, but, I mean, we could probably chalk that up to not many people had seen it at the time that the poll had gone up, and also, we gotta remind people, it is very divisive, so, there is that. Now, for this week's poll, we are asking everybody, uh, because there were so many movies to choose from on how to do a poll, it was like, what do I do here? You know, what what are we going to pick for uh, the film? And what, what will the poll be? And I just decided, you know what? Let's just throw all the movies together. So I'm asking everybody on this show and in general, which new film are you most looking forward to seeing over the holidays? Uh, the list is All the Money in the World, Downsizing, Father Figures, Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool, The Greatest Showman, Happy End, Hostiles, In the Fade, Jumanji, Molly's game, Phantom Thread, Pitch Perfect Three, the Post, and the Shape of Water.
0: Just to see if it's the real
1: deal, the post.
2: I'm all about the Phantom Thread.
1: I'm the post. Everyone knows. Um, I am Phantom Thread, and I am seeing it tomorrow.
2: Why
0: aren't you married?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm just, I,
0: we've started we've taken to drunkenly making fun of that film a little bit around my apartment.
2: Have you guys really? From the trailer,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, some of my apartment has seen the film, yes. And they're ha- they're having fun giving it a little How shot.
2: many people are in this apartment?
0: Uh, well, I have some people who kind of circulate as couch dwellers, and they count.
2: Oh, got it. Okay. I mean, it's I live in Los exciting. Angeles.
0: People are always moving around. I, so, so I run a slum. That's what you guys don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So head over to Next Best Picture. Vote on that poll. Thank you very much to those that do. Uh, Let's answer some fan questions, everybody. So this one comes from DH14G4. What do you guys think of the choices of the critics groups uh, will have any bearing on the Oscar nominations? We seem to be getting different winners for Best Actor and Best Director as far as individual critics groups are concerned. The The race still seems extremely wide so far. So any uh, critics' choices, because uh, normally that's what we see. We see the critics go to bat for something, um, and they really, really try to keep it in the conversation and push it forward. Uh, what can we see, based upon those critics' wins so far, translate into an Oscar nomination? Um, for me, it's uh, Baby Driver and editing. Yeah, that thing has shown up everywhere for editing. Mm-hmm. And that was and that was a fringe thing, you know. You I mean, it's very very easy to say, okay, let's get Dunkirk in there, let's get, you know, Shape of Water in there. Um it's another thing though to take this film that <laughs> has a guy named Kevin Spacey also associated with it and still try to push it into the conversation based on its technical merits. So. And
0: Sony wasn't even campaigning the film basically probably because of the Kevin Spacey scandal. Like I I haven't seen, I don't think it's website even, I, don't, I haven't seen a single FYC ad for it anywhere, so it's completely just critic support. Um, it's not going to save them, but they tried for Patrick Stewart. I mean, if you run the total number of who's been mentioned as far as nominations go, Stewart's in the top five. He's actually, you know, he's he's gotten more mentions, certainly then Woody Harrelson, Michael Shannon, guys like that, and he's tied Richard Jenkins for most mentions. I don't think it's going to be enough, because Sag didn't go for that. They tried for Girls Trip with Tiffany Haddish,
1: obviously, but Sag didn't, and the Globes didn't go to that for her. I think that Uh, in like the director race, the person to have benefited the most is Sean Baker. Oh,
0: definitely. I mean, the Florida project as a whole, like Defoe, Baker and the film all. It's been
2: killing. Yeah. Got
0: a lot more love than I expected.
2: Yeah. I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with three billboards either. I kind of felt like, um, we could start to see that being shut out a little bit more, but actually they're still including it in the conversation. I still think that has Oscar legs for sure. just, um, from my opinion. But.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Willem Dafoe's no longer uh, completely running away with the supporting actor category. Uh, he's got 11 mm-hmm. wins. No. Uh, Rockwell's got four. Yeah. You know, so there is a world, I think, still where uh, Rockwell gets a couple of more. I mean, obviously, Dafoe's going to have more when all is said and done. And Dafoe, I would still say, is smart money to win. But, I mean, it's 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 very interesting Uh, When you look at, say, like Golden Globe, for example, and like we said before about how three billboards overperformed, and you see how Defoe isn't necessarily sweeping this like, uh, say, Mahershala Ali was last year, and you say to yourself, well, could that love translate into a Sam Rockwell Golden Globe win? I have no idea. I think yes. It is worth considering.
0: Oh, here's one. For original score, there's uh, Phantom Thread and Blade Runner 2049. Are two that have really gotten a lot of love for critics groups. It's, I mean, Phantom Thread, assuming it's eligible, I think could even win. Yeah.
1: And um, Phantom Thread has the most wins in score. It's got six. And then uh, War for the Planet of the Apes has actually shown up a lot too. That the Michael Giacchino score for that, I remember people praising that when it came out back in July, and I, you know, I thought, okay, but I don't think it's going to translate. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if War for the Planet of the Apes uh, ends up with like a three nomination morning in visual effects score and maybe a sound category even, you know what I mean?
3: You know what I'm surprised by, speaking of Blade Runner, that um, Villeneuve has not been um, been treated more generously by the critics groups. No,
2: there was one group, I can't remember who it was, but that's it. It's a
3: shame.
1: Yeah, Villeneuve I don't even think has shown up nomination-wise in much uh, at all. no. no. It's very... It's kind of bizarre because that is like as much of a technical achievement as something like Dunkirk in Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. but I think it just goes back to, uh, once again, you know, one's love of the movie overall. But here's, here's an interesting thing about that, though, because I was thinking about this the other day. You all know how adapted screenplay is wide open for that fifth slot right now. Mm-hmm. I currently have Wonder in there. But I can see a world where 2049 might get in. Because, Will, isn't 2049 showing up a lot in adapted screenplay predict- uh, critics groups? Yeah, it's currently in fifth. I mean,
0: that final spot is just wide open. But, yes, uh, it certainly has more mentions than Wonderstruck, Victoria Abdul, Wonder, Wonder Woman, Lost City and Z, The Beguile. You know, like, it's it's got our most mentions. So if you were getting a consensus for nominations, Blade Runner gets in.
1: Yeah. I I think Last Flag Flying's uh, chances in that category are dead. Literally, no one has mentioned it. I I would say it's for me. It's between uh, if I'm realistically predicting that fifth slot. To me, it's between Wonder, and I still see a world where Lost City of Z pulls out a cinematography and best adapted screenplay nominations.
3: I think maybe the Globes um kind of like their push for all the money in the world maybe like, you know, stirs oh, up some conversation yeah. there. And then there's the fifth slot. Now we're done.
1: Did anybody else also get this feeling? And it, it, this is purely based on the trailers. Did anyone else get this feeling that production design, all the money in the world could show up in there?
3: Eh, no. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's the only really consensus choices there are shape of water and Dunkirk. So
1: yeah, everything else seems to be like very fluid at the moment. And, uh, while the globes and SAG have done their best to try and clear up, uh, the acting categories for us. Uh, Critics' Choice kind of went with the quote-unquote boring, safe Oscar uh, potential guesses. I think that now, as we head over, obviously, to uh, the guilds very soon, things are going to become a lot, I mean, a lot more interesting.
0: So for production design right now, our front runners, according to what has shown up so far, Blade Runner, Shape of Water, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, and Beauty and the Beast. That's where we're at now, and I think that's an, Beauty and the Beast is another one that I had maybe unfairly counted out in this category, and I think it stands a decent chance at a production design nomination, which is not undeserved.
1: That's tough. That is tough. Um, I, I I costume designs I'm very confident about uh, production design less so, but it could happen. Uh, this question is from Film Guy Six One Nine. Do you think Mudbound isn't getting Best Picture citations because of fear that it would be a pro Netflix stance? No,
2: no. I think it's not getting it because it's an inconsistent movie. The second <laughs> half, the second half is brilliant. The first half isn't. That's my opinion.
1: I agree. Will, Ryan, have you guys seen it? Oh yes. no, Ryan, you've seen it. Yeah. Do
3: you do you agree? No, I don't. I think it's political. Okay.
0: And well this isn't a statement on the film? I just was tired that night and I
1: fell asleep in it, so I haven't
3: finished it yet.
1: Oh, you gotta finish that second half. It's so so good.
3: <laughs> I mean, I don't think the film is killer, and it would be you know slaying all the categories if it were released by you know Focus Features or something. I but I don't. I think that the, the Netflix, um, the Netflix, the Netflix string it has um, is hurting it. Hmm.
1: Here's the thing, though, that's got me a little bit, though, with uh, Mudbound right now. Um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong here, please. Um, it did show up in Best Picture or Critics' Choice, am I right? Yes. And it showed up in the AFI Top 10. Yes. So. And, it, and I guess if you count this, it won the New York Film Critics' Online. Yeah, so... To me, it seems very, very plausible that Mudbound is looking at picture, Mary, Adapted, and maybe cinematography.
0: And song. I mean that's a that's a decent nominal. Oh, oh and song, yeah. yes. My my
1: predicted win. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a solid nomination haul. That just seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot though. I, I, I I'm with you, Ryan. I think it caps off at three
3: if it gets you know past one.
1: Wow. So you really don't, you really think the Netflix biasness is really real? Oh, yeah. Hmm. God, but what's amazing, though, is that if you move Mudbound out of some of these categories, I mean, like, it really throws a wrench in some of these, like Adapted, for example?
3: Yes, that's the one big category where I think it's i think it's good to go. Hmm. Unless, you know, you know, what if Mudbound gets out, and then they put, you know, all the money in the world in the, the fourth spot, and then we're back to not having a fifth spot I don't
1: know yeah well it's it, it starting to become like very clear to me that if you take the AFI top 10 you take the critics choice uh, 10 and you just take out uh, AFI included Wonder Woman and critics choice included uh, Darkest Hour the rest are all overlap and yep. for me if I'm predicting nine best picture nominees that's very very easy for me there but then I would say Mudbound and the Big Sick are probably the next uh, two weakest ones I would agree all right next question this one comes from ryan McQuaid. ryan McQuaid 77 uh what would you say is the front runner for best original song at the moment he uh, for the record he's got uh three questions here so that's the first one so I, i still think it's mighty river from mudbound what about you will
0: i really want to believe that sufjan's gonna win for call me by your name
2: really oh god that would be so awesome he didn't
1: show up at uh golden globes though
2: I would love it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I I still think Remember Me actually could probably Cocoa, pull it off. Yeah, I think yeah. That,
1: that could definitely be our default winner. Yeah, I'm yeah. with I'm with Dan. Telling you guys, if Mighty River wins Golden Globes, oh yeah,
2: that's uh, true.
1: Got to give me that win. All right, we'll see. Uh, Will you kind of alluded to this a little bit before? Was it a mistake to to run Mark Hamill and Best Actor and not in supporting? I don't think it matters. I don't think it does either. I don't think no. have gotten in for either. I just think it's weird category placement. Yeah, it, it's his just...
2: performance was inconsistent, I thought. It ended well, but there were some weird parts.
1: Yo, he drank that milk, though, like a champ, let me tell you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. I like Brigsby Bear better.
1: I love Brigsby Bear. I,
2: I vote for Mark Hamill and Brigsby Bear.
1: Oh. Okay. Speaking of uh, Brigsby Bear... Uh, Deanne you first then Ryan then will uh, what is yeah. your most underrated film of the year and will that film make your top 10 of wow. this year so so I guess the, mm, I, I mean you could answer question. this one of two ways tell us what your underrated is and tell us if it will make your top 10 or look at your top 10 ask yourself what is the most underrated uh, so yeah take it away
2: yeah my yeah Briggsby Be Bears there right on like on the fringes and then Patty Cakes is another one for me that I loved um and yeah, that was, those would probably be the two that are sort of sitting right in like my 11 and 12 spot where I'm trying to decide if they're going to make it in. Um,
0: the Lost City of Z, I mean, I think the film community likes it, but it hasn't shown up really anywhere for awards, and I think it's probably one of the five best films I've seen this year.
2: Five, huh? Wow.
0: I love The uh, Lost City of Z.
2: I feel like I should have seen it in the theater. I feel like I missed out. I saw it at home, and I didn't have as good of an experience, I think.
0: I'm also a big fan of Ingrid Goes West. Matt, you like that one too, didn't you?
1: I, li- I like Lost in Z and I like Ingrid Goes West. Uh, they're not in my uh, top twenties, but I like them. Uh, Ryan, did you did you say?
3: No, I didn't. Um, so I don't really have um, any of my top ten that are underrated. I guess I I think Beauty and the Beast is I guess underrated, um, but I don't think it will be in my top ten by then. After everything's said and done. I guess mother, if you think, like, in terms yes, of yeah. Jennifer Lawrence not being nominated, um, Darren, Aronof- Darren Aronofsky being pretty shut out of everything, um, I guess mother, I don't
1: know. You know, sometimes when you have contenders that you feel like could get in based on a level of quality, um, I think sometimes in order to, like, just fit in the field out, people look for any excuse they can to get a contender out of the conversation sometimes, and that was, like, one of the best examples of that you know where oh we could consider it in sound oh we could consider jennifer lawrence but oh the reactions weren't there very easy to write off let's let's move on to you know what i mean because like like, first began like two months ago and we had like 20 contenders for each category yeah and we honestly had like no idea how it was all going to shape out well I mean that's part of how it happens from time to time. So yeah,
2: I have a couple more too. I I, I would say I loved it. Um, it's still in my top ten, fair, fairly high. Um, and I also just rewatched Logan Lucky. That was like one of my favorite movies of the summer, and I still think that is is going to probably show up right around like my twelve or thirteen spot for the year.
3: Um. And can I just say real quick, I am shocked that Jennifer Lawrence missed a Golden Globe nomination for Mother this past week.
2: Right, because they love her. They love her. I thought
1: they would go for it, and I'm shocked. I
2: did too. It was in my prediction, yeah.
1: Yep. I was very shocked as well. But hey, they saw all the money in the world, and we didn't. (laughs) Uh, For me, I do have Mother in my top 10, but there is one film that I have ranked above it in my top 10 that I think is more underrated, and that is It Comes at Night. Hmm. I still am kind of baffled that that movie got the reception more, that it got more from. More of the
2: conversation, yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I, not saying it's an Oscar play or anything like that. I just think that, that film got a very, very, very bad rap for no reason. But that's just me. All right. Very cool. Awesome there. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for all three of those questions. Next one. Uh, this is from Josh Blumenkrantz. Uh, on Twitter, McBluester118. What do you think is a lock for a win in any of the acting categories? Anyone a lock, guys?
3: No.
0: No, not even Oldman because I think there's a world where Chalamet comes in
1: and takes it. What does Chalamet need to do to take it, in your opinion?
0: Um, He needs to win SAG. I mean, that's generally what I would say for almost anyone. Um, darkest Hour underperforming helps, but for me to believe it, he's got he needs to win SAG and he needs to win the Globe. Old, no one is stopping Oldman at BAFTA,
1: yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I do agree, I, I also disagree. I think that no one's stopping uh, Oldman at SAG personally, but I do see a world where Chalamet wins uh Critics' Choice, and I could see a world where he won Golden Globe just because the Golden Globes don't like Gary Oldman. But Call Me by Your Name didn't perform as well as I thought it was going to at Globes. You know, no screenplay, no director, um, even though it did get a uh, Hammer, Picture and Chalamet. Um, a part of me kinda just has this feeling, this this, this feeling that Daniel Day Lewis is gonna win the Globe drama and the headline will be, you know, Daniel Day Lewis wins award on his farewell retirement tour. You know what I mean?
2: So we're assuming he's saying a lock for win, not a lock for nomination. Yeah, yeah he yeah, and Josh's are locks is who, for nominations.
1: Right. Yeah. Josh's question is Who do you think is a lock for a win this early win. in the race? got it. Okay. Um, I, which leads me to ask this question because this question is one that is making my head explode at the moment. Who does everyone have picked for best actress at the moment? Oh, God. I don't. I think you guys know who I have picked.
2: Shersha. Sure, I have Shersha.
1: Sure, Ryan, do you have Meryl? I have Meryl.
3: I have Meryl, and then Ronan, and then McDormand. Oh, it's so tough. I think whoever wins Best Actress will coincide with Picture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had Robbie for the longest time. I have, uh, t- for my Lala La Land Revenant theory, I have since moved to Sally Hawkins.
2: Who? Wow, we're all over the place.
1: And Will? I don't even fucking know at this point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> come on, Shersha. Sure, sure. But with me,
1: yeah.
0: Okay, if 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 Lady Bird becomes our de facto frontrunner, then I think Saoirse will take it too.
3: But can't you guys see, like, um, whoever, whatever wins Best Picture, I
0: can see everyone. That's the thing.
2: I can see all five happening. Yeah, yeah, they're so great. That's I love that category.
1: You know that I did. Everyone see my post from yesterday about how what if each one of the ladies wins one of the awards before no. an Oscar? I think the scenario I laid out for myself was. Um, Saoirse Ronan wins Golden Globe comedy. Murrow wins Golden Globe drama. Uh, Sally Hawkins wins BAFTA. Margot Robbie wins uh, SAG. And Critics' Choice was Frances McDormand. Ooh. Yeah. Wow.
2: And they would all deserve it.
1: Like, it, it, and uh, somebody I, can't, I think it was uh, I think it was Sam Coffey reminded me of uh, Best Supporting Actress 2007. Yeah. Where it was like Tilda Swinton, Kate Blanchett, Amy Ryan, and like Ruby Dean. Everybody won something.
3: Except for Ronan.
1: I can't help but feel like we're heading for that. I do not think that these groups are going to fall in line and rally behind a single person. I just don't see it.
3: No. All
1: right. I don't even know why I bothered to ask that because now I'm just going mentally insane right now just even thinking about it. Man, that's a tough one this year. All right. So we're done with fan questions. And as a result of which, we now only have two sections left on the show here. Um, and that is the news. And that is also uh, for me to just read the reviews that we received for the podcast. So I'll start off with the reviews. Will Mabby will take us away with any news for this week. So maybe, maybe something to do about Fox and Disney. I don't know. Uh, but for the reviews that the podcast received, the first one here comes from M. Rick, uh, M-R-I-C-C-62. Five-star review. woohoo, And it says, a podcast with heart. Oh. There are a lot of podcasts in the film award space and this one is one of the most enjoyable listens. The cast is appealing, knowledgeable and passionate about all types of film from blockbusters to art house cinema. Matt Neglia is passionate, friendly and slightly rough around the edges in his delivery. <laughs> Keeping things moving and giving his regular guests, just to name three, Dianne Kiezeze, Michael Schwartz, Will Mavity. Sorry, Ryan. uh, Plenty of space to express their diverse points of view and champion their favorite genres. I do wish Matt would show a bit of caution before crowning favorites as inevitable Oscar winners. There's plenty of time to discuss each candidate's strengths and problems. Overall, though, this is one of the most fun pods in a crowded topic. Oh, that's nice. And you know what? Good for that person for having the balls to say that to me. (laughs) I I really appreciate uh, that level of feedback. I really do. And I will say, too, that I have been a little bit more um, conservative, I guess you could say, in what I firmly believe is going to happen now. I mean, I know I've made some predictions, but that doesn't mean that I'm saying that anybody else is wrong or I don't see a path for something else to happen. Um, I'm kind of past that point now of saying that, especially to – Uh, anybody now. I mean, you really think about it. Last year, I think we can all agree that, like, Viola Davis was, like, the only thing that I would have, like, remortgaged my house, you know, and put everything on that. But otherwise, any any other uh, categories last year, you know, there was a world where Denzel Washington could have pulled it off. There was a world where Isabelle Huppert could have pulled it off. You know, so I don't think I'm – I think I'm past the point now where I'm going to say – with 100% certainty that things are going to happen now. Um, I guess you could say I've matured. I don't know.
2: Well, it's a challenging thing because people want you to say it too, you know? And it, it, I don't know.
1: I'm tired of giving people what they want, Deanne. I'm tired. Yes, I know. <laughs> Screw whatever people want. What about what I want? <laughs> I just want more five-star reviews. And this is what we get. We got one more five-star review from Uncle Jeff73. I don't know whose uncle Uncle you are, Jeff. Jeff, but
2: (laughs) It's not mine.
1: (laughs) This one says one of the best. I came across this podcast by accident. I'm an award show podcast fanatic, and this has quickly joined the ranks among the best and is now one I can't miss. In fact, upon finding this podcast, I immediately went back and listened to all of our episodes I had missed. A (laughs) wonderful conversation knowledgeable contributors interesting debates and at least one big meryl streep fan can't go wrong with that (laughs) (sighs) so who is that
2: michael i mean i think there's more than one but
1: Uh, no i think there definitely is i mean i don't know which episodes he listened to but you know apparently he went back and listened to all of them (laughs) wow uh (laughs) Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in, gave us a review there on iTunes. Uh, Continue to do so. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. We most certainly very much do appreciate it. And now, Mr. Mavity, take us away with what news happened this week in the film world, my friend. So,
0: obviously, i got to address the elephant in the room. Disney bought Fox. That's... I, I don't really know where to go from there, honestly. I mean... There are both interesting and less than positive ways to interpret that. Uh, And the cool way, I guess, all the comic book junkies are freaking out because that means that X-Men and Fantastic Four joined the Avengers. Sure, that's cool. On another hand, that is Disney becoming even more of a monopoly in the film industry. There's all kinds of theories about with all this clout what kind of pressure they could put on distributors. Um, Some estimates show as many as 10,000 people losing their jobs as a result of this. And also, it's just not, I don't think, a good thing for your creativity for this many projects to be coming out from under a single company, particularly since Disney, you know, while providing entertaining films, has not really been known in the last five years or so for releasing many original creative properties and everything under the Fox umbrella, particularly Searchlight, has been. So that scares me.
2: Yeah, me too. That's that's definitely my concern. Like would we have gotten Logan or three billboards or some of those, you know, under this new realm? Who knows? But
1: I, I have read that – I can't remember which Disney executive it was, but one of them did say that they are open to the possibility of a rated R uh, Marvel film Oh, that still. was Feige. That was Kevin Feige okay. who said that.
0: Yeah, But so great. We get a rated R Marvel film. That's fine. Glad to hear it. Are we going to continue to get interesting, unique projects like The Shape of Water and Three Billboards and Birdman and 12 Years a Slave? I still think so. I, I,
1: I do. I don't think they're going away. I, I just think that there's going to be a change in direction. And I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic about this. I really am. Because believe me, um, there is a part of me that's really scared about this too. Um, for those that don't know, I, I was once a very, very big wrestling fan. And the way that wrestling used to work in the country was that there were territories of wrestling. And then uh, the story goes, Vince McMahon uh, bought out all of the territories until literally now, uh, WWE as it's, as it's called was the only wrestling game literally in town other than independent small promotions, which do not have the national exposure, do not have the television deals, et cetera, et cetera. And that organization rules pretty much the whole uh, game of wrestling at this point. So fans – Start to then uh, turn on it as I did, and I don't watch wrestling anymore because there's only one product and you can't get that variety that you're craving when that product sucks. So, if Disney's gonna rule everything and they're gonna put out a product out there, and I'm not, listen, I'm not saying Disney has like sucked uh, because obviously they've got a really fantastic track record here. But if we're seeing like the same um, style of storytelling uh, or storytelling, that just doesn't take risks as has been a common complaint of mine with um, like the like the Marvel uh, films under Disney, let's say. And to a certain extent, I guess maybe Star Wars. I mean, you know, we'll never we'll never get a rated R Star Wars film. Uh, You know, Rogue One, I guess, is like going to be the closest we'll ever come to something like that. But everything with Disney, it feels like, you know, plays things very, very safe. Even though they claim that they are innovators of story, it seems like to me.
0: I, I think the first big film they've released that's not an animated film, that's like an original property in like three years, is going to be a wrinkle in time. I mean, everything else they've done, I guess there was Tomorrowland, but other than that has been either, is been a sequel or part of a franchise. Exactly. You know, it, it,
2: that's alarming. Also- Yeah, it's that Searchlight piece that's concerning.
0: Again, Searchlight scares the crap out of me. Fox owned DreamWorks. Did Disney just get DreamWorks? I think so. That's wild if they did. Because if you look at the animation world, you have little studios like GKids, but you kind of just got yourself an animated film monopoly, if that's the case.
3: Well, that's film oligarchy for you. Entertainment oligarchy. So-
2: well, as it comes, you know, we got at least two years. The pipe is already stuffed with movies. I'm sure they're not going to mess with what's in the pipe right now. It'll be a couple of years before we even know if it really has an impact, I oh, think. Oh, and
0: they're getting their own streaming service because Netflix was already working on one. You know, they're pulling all their things off Netflix. That's another <laughs> thing. They're going to take over the streaming market and they have all the coffers of Disney and Fox put together as well as a shit ton of properties. Yeah. This is... Oh, okay.
1: Now, uh, enough on that. I've expressed my concern. I, I, I think our silence right now is like a signifier of that, like you, just, you just hit it home well with uh, talking about the streaming.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of like the the Trump administration. You, know, you just proceed, brace yourself, and whatever happens will happen.
2: Let's see what
0: happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, other news that's not bleak uh, and depressing. How do you go from that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, Michael Jordan. Will Smith is making a film about that time Michael Jordan started playing baseball. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I I don't really know what to say to that one. Well, didn't we already get this movie? It's called Space Space Jam.
2: Jam? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm actually like, I haven't heard that. And I'm very fascinated because I, I, as you all know, I live in Utah. Utah Jazz, like the one thing people know is like the Stockton to Malone era. And there was this one time where we actually could have won the world championship. But Michael Jordan had the flu. And still beat us. So I just, I, I kind of hope that makes it in. So I'm, I'm kind sorry, of but
1: why would they cast Will Smith as Michael Jordan? <laughs> why wouldn't you cast like Mahershala Ali? Oh, I don't or... know if he's
0: playing Michael Jordan. He's oh, just, okay. He's okay. helming the film. Because
1: while, while Will Smith looks like Muhammad Ali to a certain extent, uh, I don't does see not him. look like
0: Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah, I don't see him as michael jordan so that better not be a casting decision that better be like a producer credit or something Yeah. also
0: (laughs) that would be i I think the internet wouldn't take that well (laughs) just because like the only physical similarity they have is they're both african-american like that is a couple think pieces waiting to happen so i don't think he's playing him
1: and also if will smith's uh image you know could not get any more uh right now um exposure uh be sure to check him out in his new sure to be critical favorite uh on netflix this week called bright
0: (laughs) oh i'm calling it right now that film's gonna make the makeup and hairstyling shortlist and people are gonna be like what the fuck watch that be netflix's first uh like above the not not above line the first non-documentary nomination
2: i don't even know about it
1: all right deanne you know um the orcs and lord of the rings Yes. Okay, imagine if you took one of those orcs and you put it in modern times, but on top of that, you decided to put it in a police officer's uniform, and you called that thing a cop.
0: And that's this movie? It's a buddy cop movie, (laughs) where it's it's a tough-talking, you know, by-the-book cop and an orc.
2: What? (laughs) I don't even... I'm so baffled. It's Mount Landis.
0: (laughs) You know, like he's good in a yeah. room, and apparently he made a compelling pitch. But it's you know it's it's basically rush hour, but with an orc.
1: I can see like the jowls moving on like the executives versus daring storytelling.
0: Uh, is, is that Richard Nixon? Do all Studio executive? <laughs> I'm not a crook. Okay, so anyway, um, so Stallone will no longer be directing Creed Two, which I like Stallone. As an actor, so I think it's for the best that Stephen Cable
1: uh, is directing uh, Creed two. For the record, I do like Rocky Balboa as far as like direct directing from uh, Stallone. Yeah, that's a solid film, but yeah, but but yes, Creed is you know after the success well of Coogler's uh, last film, you know you want to continue that and you want to make sure that it can be as good or surpass. And I agree, Stallone's not at that level, I don't think, to be home of the project in that way. Uh, so
0: Seth Rogen is playing Walter Cronkite in a movie about the JFK assassination. What? Which is just odd. Uh, David Gordon Green is directing it. Uh, I guess maybe that's Rogen's Oscar play?
2: What?
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's odd. Alright. The line that you yourself wrote. Yeah. Um... (laughs) The Safty brothers are doing a 48 hours remake, which is an odd choice, but I'm intrigued. Very intrigued. Um, I will see anything that those guys put out next. Uh, good time helped to really build up some goodwill for me with them.
0: Agreed. Okay, so here's an interesting one. We talked a lot about Woody Harrelson. Um, Woody Harrelson's joining Riz Ahmed, Tom Hardy, and Michelle Williams in the Venom movie. That cast is far too good. For oh a Venom movie.
2: I know. What are they not doing because they're doing that? That's what makes me sad.
0: Like like that is that is a really good that's probably one of the best casts that's ever been in a superhero film. So oh God. I, I I hope it's it's a genuinely unique film and that they give these people something to do because that is an A-list cast right there. Um Luca Guga I'm not going to try to pronounce it. The guy who directed Call Me By Your Name <laughs> is dr- directing Jennifer Lawrence in a true crime film called Burial Rights about the last woman ever to be executed in Iceland. I think she killed a couple men and burned down their house. I assume there's some interesting storytelling to be had there, but he's, you know, he's got his Suspiria remake he's in post on and he'll start shooting this immediately after. The guy never sleeps, apparently.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Guillermo del Toro, he's not directing, you know, he said he's going to take a little break, but he is teaming up with Scott Cooper to uh, have Cooper direct a supernatural thriller called Antlers. So, um, that's an interesting direction to take for
1: Cooper. You know, he usually does pretty grounded reality films. You know, something that, like, just struck me the other day about Cooper really quickly is that, um, I've been hearing a lot about his, you know, film Hostiles, which I'm seeing this week, and... I'm really excited to see because people have said that, like, oh, he's finally, like, arrived and he's finally made the film that, like, you know, really showcases uh, his pot- his potential and really knocks it out of the park, et cetera, et cetera. And it's got a Rotten Tomatoes score of, like, a 68%. And I'm like, well, that's not matching what I've been hearing about the film. So I'm wondering if he's still that mediocre uh, director that keeps getting these amazing projects and these amazing casts but can't ever fully deliver. So –
0: I think it's it's divisive again. I think it's supposedly kind of a unique, auteur-driven film, but that doesn't mean it's good. Okay. So we, we'll see if this trend continues. And that's pretty much it. You know, Fox and Oscar announcements pretty much blotted out everything else of note in movie news this week. So
1: next week will be our uh, holiday episode, but uh, we will not be recording on Sunday. Uh, we're going to shoot to probably record i would say later this week maybe friday or saturday <laughs> you were gonna say on monday i was like
0: no fuck
1: you matt <laughs> <laughs> merry christmas No, so, doing a podcast yeah but um i i, I want to make that episode fun um there will be some stuff to talk about for sure but uh hopefully we can all just like get together and just have a nice breezy time and maybe not even talk about the race so much and i don't know
2: you
1: know, i'm trying here guys i'm trying <laughs>
3: You're trying to be a good person.
1: <laughs> give give me, some yes, nostalgia holiday and... cheer. You know, I'm yes. trying to have it right now. Well,
3: I'll make sure to bring my holiday cheer. And...
2: <laughs> yeah, Ryan, you, you're, you're going to have to cheer up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, did anybody else have anything to say before we go? No. Okay, very good. Will, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. Deanne, where can they find you?
2: Twitter at Tweedledd. D E E D E thirty
1: three. So your Twitter name is Tweedle D D D thirty three. And Ryan, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me at Cynical Bastard. I'm joking. <laughs> you honestly can make that
3: your new. Uh... <laughs> at Ryan C <laughs> Showers.
1: Oh, uh, and you could find me at. <sighs> And next best picture on Twitter. It's by Clint Eastwood again.
0: I was getting the Joker from that, honestly. Yeah, I was too. Oh, wow,
1: really? You want to know how I got these scars? Right.
0: I listened to the next <laughs> best picture podcast a few too many times. <laughs> I can't. Call me by your name and I'll call <laughs> <laughs> you. I think there needs to be an entire
1: episode done in these voices. Yeah, we should just do that next week. Just everyone just pick, pick a character or a celebrity. And just show up to the episode and let's just impersonate our favorite actors or
2: actresses.
0: I'm going to be J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. I'm just going to scream the entire
1: time.
2: Yeah, you did startle me that day.
1: Merry Christmas. (laughs) I'll just be like Philip Seymour Hoffman in The the Master and just like counter uh, Will and just be like, why do you ask questions you already know the answers to? Pig fuck. (laughs) 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 All right. Next best picture. That's where you could find me. Thank you so much for listening to episode 69 of the next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show, as I said before. And we will see you all next time.